You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. And thank you for joining us this week on the Neutral Zone. I'm Phil Milani alongside, as always, Eric Dalala. We have a great show in store for you. We'll sit down with Bradley Roby and ask about how he's become the number one guy now that Chris Harris Jr. is down. Talk about how his mindset has changed, if at all, and uh, what his attitude is like heading into this Cleveland Browns game. He'll have a tough assignment for sure guarding Jarvis Landry, but uh, as he mentions, maybe that's not the only weapon that uh, he's going to have to worry about coming up on Saturday night. We'll also uh, be joined by Andrew Gribble, senior writer for ClevelandBrowns.com. Dive into this matchup a little bit more as uh, he chats with you, Eric. Um, And then we'll also play our usual games, a little bit of trivia, and also who said it. But Eric, uh, let's talk about this Broncos team here for a second coming off of a very disappointing loss. Yeah, and really, Phil, a, a disappointing half, I think. The first half, you fall behind 20 to nothing uh, because of basically offensive ineptitude. You don't get a first down there until nearly the end of the half, really. Punt, 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 punt. The Browns are able to, or excuse me, the 49ers are able to take advantage of that that long pass to George Kittle, an 85-yarder where he's wide open. And then probably more alarming is that long drive just before the end of the half that put them up 20 to nothing and the Broncos turned it around in the second half and nearly had a chance they couldn't make quite enough big plays but you know I look at it and I say that second half that's exactly how you're supposed to play against the 49ers you should win a half 14 nothing and you should hold them to 70 total yards or whatever it is but whatever happened in the first half cannot happen again the rest of the season if you want to even have a chance at making the playoffs and that half alone might have might have made it too late yeah you know I just think you know talk about playoffs and trying to be the you know a, a team that's been improving and is playing some of its best football of the season this was not the Broncos team we were expecting to show up you know a, a playoff team goes into San Francisco and beats the 49ers soundly and it was weird you know you the guys were pumped up during pregame they seemed like they were ready to go you hear Case Keenum breaking down the team saying hey we got to jump on them early don't give them a shot and uh, they just didn't really come out and play like that and um, you know, I think that you saw them miss a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, definitely. He was a weapon that made everything easier because Cortland Sutton's then the number two guy, Deshaun Hamilton's the number three. So they're not, not only are they facing a different caliber, caliber of player, but the play design is different. So before where all the attention is going to Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland or Deshaun can slip open. Now that's all uh, directed toward Cortland. It's very different. I think without Emmanuel there, you also saw the 49ers could really crack down on Philip Lindsay, who for the first time in three or four weeks looked human. Exactly. I mean, the way that they played their defense, they were like, look, if we just stop Philip Lindsay from beating us, we're going to have a shot in this game. And, and it turned out to be that way. And just even if you think about it from Case Keenum's mentality, the way he goes through his progressions, when you have Emmanuel Sanders there, you know that probably if I have enough time, at some point Emmanuel's going to get open. He's sort of a security blanket there. But when that's removed, then all of a sudden you start rushing through your progressions or maybe you don't even get through all of your progressions. We saw Case quite a few times dump it down you know Philip Lindsay dropped a couple there but just in general you know he was going to check down uh, quite a bit yeah and Vance Joseph said after the game and he said again Monday we need case to take chances especially down the middle of a cover three defense in the seam there uh, whether it's the tight end or finally finding Cortland or Deshaun he's got to take the those shots not just to get chunk plays but Phil you gotta you gotta stretch the defense a little bit so that they have to respect those throws so they can't just camp 10 yards from the line of scrimmage the entire game have all 11 guys there uh i think that'll help case today said hey i gotta do it we got three games left let's let it loose um we'll see if he's able to do that or not against a really good browns defense and then on the flip side you know when the offense can't get into a rhythm can't stay on the field you saw that broncos defense miss a guy like chris harris jr i think just saw some miscommunication especially on the long uh george kittle touchdown you know it looked like they were in zone Bradley Roby's actually motioning across with a guy. You don't expect him to do that if he knew he was in zone. So uh, just uh, you know, just a little 
after a while, you it takes a toll. You know, you have this next man up mentality. But at some point, when you're losing playmaker after playmaker, it catches up with you. Right. And Vance said that, hey, of course we're able to play without Chris, but it hurts us that we don't have Chris. He's really exactly. he's really good. Exactly. And I think something that would have cha- – let's say, Phil, that Chris is in there. I think maybe that first play to George Kittle happens, the 60-yarder where he breaks a lot of tackles. Maybe maybe that happens. But I think with Chris in there, you're probably able to adjust quicker, and then that 85-yarder doesn't happen. Yeah. Whereas the Broncos adjusted at halftime, and Kittle didn't have a catch after the half, and they, they held him. Which to, was very suspicious. Very suspicious. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I, just, I don't understand how that happens. The guy is four yards shy of breaking Shannon Sharp's record for most receiving yards by a tight end, and he doesn't even get a, a single catch in the second half. Well, Mullins didn't have time to throw. They were in the second half. They really, you know, they played him well. They were breathing down his neck, and they only had seventy something yards in that half. It was, I mean, for for you'd hope it would happen sooner, but the Broncos did adjust. I just think with Chris Harris, you would have seen that adjustment earlier, and then maybe at halftime it's thirteen nothing or sixteen nothing. And even think, if you hold him to a field goal on that last drive before half, then all of a sudden the Broncos have a chance to – it's a two-possession game, and now maybe you're not in that scenario where you're going for it on every fourth down. Maybe you kick a field goal and you're putting yourself in a better position. That last score, it really killed him. The, the first play after the two-minute warning was the, a 49ers third down where they got stopped. I think that was Von Sack, wasn't it? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, and then and then they had a punt. I think the Broncos got the ball back with like one minute and 55 seconds to go in the half. The Broncos had the ball. Is that correct? I think that's correct. 140, yeah. 148. 148. Was it Von Sack? It was Von Sack. Yeah, so Von Sack. Then they, the timeout. Broncos, yeah, timeout. 148, the Broncos got the ball. Right. And in that 148, the Broncos, they had four plays, I think. Uh, the penalty, they had five, including the punt. Five, five yeah. including a punt. Yeah. It so, went it went Keenum incomplete deep to Sutton. Richard Sherman got whistled for holding. Then a pass to Devontae Booker for seven. And then uh, Keenum incomplete short middle. Keenum pass incomplete short right. You punt, right. and the Niners get it at their own 28 with a minute 14 left. That that kills. And then five, penal- five penalties on the defensive drive. And, you know, I think that Isaac Yadam has improved. And uh, he's confident, and he's got a tough mentality. And later, I'll ask uh, Bradley Roby a little bit about Yadam. But that that play, you just can't like it. it that was a, just a tough play where you know there's there's a lot of space near the sideline there. In my opinion, you don't really guard the inside quite as much as Yadam did. Um, and they're, they're a heck of a release by the wide receiver, and that's an easy touchdown that you just you can't give up a touchdown in a minute fourteen, I guess, right there. Yeah, too many penalties. You know, it actually looked like they were going to stop him. Uh, Mullins threw an incomplete pass where Sua Cravens came in to break it up. They called pass interference. There's an offsides on Zach Kerr that gives him a first and five. Vaughn has an new, another offsides penalty. It just that whole that drive there of kind of. I don't want to be dramatic and say that it pushes you out of the playoffs, but if not for that drive, you're certainly in a much better position where you need maybe one or two teams to lose instead of now the situation where the Broncos need a whole bunch of people to lose. Yeah, you want to dive down, back down your rabbit hole Yeah, we'll, ju- we'll just do it quickly. I think okay. this week um, in particular. A rooting guide here. Exactly. Yeah, let's just pull up the week 15 schedule. I think the uh, Patriots play the Steelers, right? Patriots play the one. Steelers. You really need the Patriots to win that game because the Steelers or the Ravens have to lose two more times. Steelers still host the Patriots, go to New Orleans. They're probably your best chance there. That's your best chance. So you need the Patriots to beat the Steelers. Uh, let's see what else. You want the Giants to beat the Titans if that's possible. The Titans need to lose one Giants more. Giants have been playing great. Yeah, exactly. Titans need to lose one time over the final three weeks. The Vikings host the Dolphins. You really need the Vikings to win that because the Dolphins have to lose two more times. They still host Jacksonville, go to Buffalo. So maybe this Vikings game and then an upset. That's probably the hardest thing that the Broncos need to happen. And then uh, two two final ones. Uh you want the Cowboys to beat the Colts, and you probably want the Chiefs to beat the Chargers so that the Chargers are locked into that five spot and rest their starters in Week 17. Because if the Chargers win, they could still they contest can, for the, the The Chargers division. win, uh, they'll both be 11-3, and three, and that division race is going to go through Week 17. Wow. So we want the Chiefs to win. The Chiefs need to win, then they'll, they'll clinch the division, and if the Chargers beat the Ravens next week, they'll then clinch the five seed. They'll have no right. reason to play guys in Week 17. And of course, the Broncos will have to win out. They can't afford any more mistakes, and uh, no. 
We'll dive into uh, the Browns game a little bit later on in the show. But first, let's get to my conversation with Bradley Roby. We joined him inside the Broncos locker room. Rob, when you uh, saw Chris Harris Jr. go down a couple weeks ago, how did that change your mindset? Um, I just knew that we all would have to pick it up. You know, anytime someone goes down, uh, you always have to next man that mentality. You know, in the league, that's the league. You know, people are going to get hurt. And, uh, you know, when when that happens, another guy gets the opportunity to show what, he, what he's worth. So um, I just thought that. It was time for somebody else, someone else to step up and um, just go from there. For you, did that mean, okay, you're going one-on-one with the other team's number one guy? I don't really like to talk about that because, um, you know, everything isn't what it's perceived to be, you know what I'm saying? So I just do my job, you know what I'm saying? I don't really talk about who I'm going against or, or who has the help and who doesn't. I don't do that. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. Do you feel like that meant more of a leadership opportunity for you to be, hey, back in the secondary communication? Hey, that's that's a role you could step into, though. Yeah, I definitely see it as a as a as a chance to to lead the guys who haven't played as much, um, to just motivate them, help them with game prep, you know, what to watch for, formation tendencies, and all those little things. You know, checks on the field. We're gonna play this, or so if they run this, you know, all those little things. So I definitely saw it as a chance to. To be more vocal out there for sure. A guy like uh, Isaac Yadam, who's playing a lot more now, how have you seen him grow this year? Um, just staying staying consistent through it all. You know, as a rookie, you know it's uh it's it's tough. You know, your first year is long. You know, hit that rookie wall. You just gotta keep pushing through. And uh, this this defense particularly isn't an easy defense to play as a cornerback. You know, there's a lot of pressure uh, throughout the game every week. So uh, I think he's handled it well. I know you say you don't look at just one guy, so you're not just looking at Jarvis Landry. Yeah. What wideout on their team uh, other than him scares you? They're don't, all dangerous. None of them scare me. Okay. Which one? Which one are you? Which one of them do you think? Uh, you know, you got to keep an extra eye on. All of them. Baker Mayfield. That's the one we got to keep an eye on. Uh-huh. Baker Mayfield looks looks great. Yeah. I like the I like the way he plays quarterback. He um, he's decisive. He uh, anticipates lanes, and he's not scared to throw it deep. So I like that about him. I think he was a great draft pick for them. And I think he's their quarterback of the future. So that's 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 the main focus point is to to contain him. It's another great quarterback every week in this league too, huh? Exactly. This league is made is quarterback leagues, quarterback driven. You look at the best teams in the league, they have the best quarterbacks. If if you're not a very good team in the league, look at the quarterback. So it's a quarterback league for sure. When a guy like Baker is so accurate with the football, does that mean you have to be, you know, extra with your technique and that kind of stuff? Yeah, you have to be, you know, even better because just because you're there doesn't mean he can't get it in there. So if he does get in there, you got to get him down. So uh, it's definitely big on – on uh, technique and uh, just positioning. Uh, what's the mindset in, inside this locker room now? You know you got to take care of business these last three weeks. Yeah, so the mindset is just we got to win out. At the end of the day, that's what we've been thinking. That's how our mindset has been. But every game you play, you want to win. It's not like we sign up the season and say, all right, let's go <laughs> yeah. 10 and 6. You know what I'm saying? It's like you want to win every game. So it's just uh, just more focus on just winning. You know, winning one, winning one play, winning one game at a time. Anything changed for you guys just on a short week now, playing on a Saturday? It's kind of strange. Just less time to recover. I feel bad for the for the Chargers and the Chiefs because they both had close games, and now they got to turn around and play on Thursday. The first time you played on Saturday since college? Uh, I believe so. Speaking of your college, uh, what's going on? Urban uh, leaving now. Uh, you wish him wish him good luck now, or you looking forward to day coming in? I don't know who Ryan Day is, <laughs> so he's new. Got it. Uh, they they're gonna win. They're gonna play who the Washington? I think so. Yeah, Rose Bowl. That's gonna be easy easy dub. And um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go meet Ryan and uh, wish him good luck because uh, it's gonna be a tough job because the expectations are so high. 
at Ohio State, you know, we expect to, to replace win. a guy like Urban. Huh? And you can't replace a guy like Urban. Yeah, that's one of the top three college coaches ever. So there's some tough shoes to fill, but he has to be himself. So we'll see. All right, Bradley, appreciate your time, man. Thank no you. Problem. My thanks to Bradley Roby for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. A very confident cornerback. Uh, we always know that just the way he walks around the facility that he has a lot of confidence, and you got to have that playing cornerback in the NFL. So uh, my thanks to Bradley Roby for coming on the show. Eric, uh, now time to get to our first game here on the Neutral Zone. Yeah, Phil, it's uh, time to play a little trivia challenge as we've done for the last few weeks. As always, we've got a fan calling in. Who's on the line this week? Uh, my name's Cam. And uh, where are you calling from, Cam? I'm calling from Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, nice, nice. Yep. How how are you a uh, Broncos fan down there, Cam? Oh, I'm originally from Wyoming, uh, so my dad and I would go to a few games a year, but I became a diehard when I went to my first Broncos game, which is actually 14 years ago from tomorrow, uh, December 12, 2004, against the Dolphins. Wow. I've been a diehard ever since. Nice, yeah, well, the Broncos could use some losses by the Dolphins here down the stretch, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Get him back in the in the postseason conversation. Well, Cam, we've got you here to uh, play a little trivia game. We're going to read you three uh, multiple-choice trivia questions. If you can get two of three correct, you're going to be a winner here on the Neutral Zone. We'll send you a little prize pack. All right, sounds good. Let's do it. All right. During owner Pat Bowen's tenure since 1984, the Broncos own the second-best regular season win percentage in the NFL and the fourth-best win percentage by any team in American professional sports. Which of these teams is not above the, above the Broncos on that list? Is it A, the Patriots, B, the Lakers, or C, the Steelers? Ooh, I want to say that one... Let's say the Steelers. Steelers is right. Yeah, the uh, a Steelers loss uh, on uh, Sunday to the Raiders. You know, paired with that Broncos loss, it kept them kept them neck and neck. But the Broncos are ahead by a fraction of a percentage point. Um, Broncos yeah, I knew it was close. I knew that one was close. Exactly. Broncos only trail the Patriots there. Spurs uh, number one actually since 1984. So cool. one for one there. Um, now kind of a, a Browns centric question. The Broncos and Browns obviously met in the in the famous 1986 AFC Championship, which came to be known as the Drive. But how many times total did they meet in an AFC Championship with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line? Was it A, 4, B, 3, or C, 2? Mm. I want to say it was 2, the Drive, and then the Bumble. Oh, actually, there's one other one, uh, three times total. Uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, 1989 as well, uh, 37-21 win there. Um, okay. You got one other question for you here. It can go either way. Let's see if you can right. uh, get this one. Bradley Chubb and Nick Chubb both came out of uh, the draft class this year. Bradley Chubb, obviously fifth overall to the Broncos. Nick Chubb went in the second round to the Browns. How are they related? Are they A, brothers? B, Cousins, or C, not related at all? Uh, B, Cousins. That's correct. Yeah, you've uh, been keeping up with that. Yeah, they're Cousins. They'll meet for the first time uh, this year. They actually didn't know each other for a big portion of their lives. Uh, found out they were Cousins oh, really? uh, later in life. Pretty cool story. Uh, oh, that is cool. But you're, uh, you're a winner here, Came on the Neutral Zone. Congratulations on the, uh, the comeback win. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, of course. And now we're going to go to part one of my conversation with Andrew Gribble of the Browns. He uh, talks a little bit with me about Baker Mayfield and how that offense has been performing of late. Andrew, uh, Baker Mayfield's really put things together here over the last few weeks. What's been working so well for him? Yeah, you know, the offense uh, under Freddie Kitchens has really just kind of opened things up for Baker Mayfield. And, you know, it was interesting because when he started the season, he came out really hot. Uh, obviously, we all remember that Jets game where the Browns came back on Thursday night football. He was throwing BBs all over the field and followed it up the, the next week against the Raiders and was looking really good as well. But, you know, then he started to look like a rookie and things weren't coming as easy for him. And then uh, really it hit kind of a, a, a pinnacle when the Browns made a, a coach change midway through the season with Hugh Jackson and Todd Ailey out. Freddie Kitchens has really 
gone to the players and almost crowdsourced uh, a playbook that has really worked in Baker Mayfield's uh, favor. He's getting the ball out quicker. He's not really getting sacked. I mean, he's only been sacked three times in the last five weeks compared to 20 times in the first six weeks of the season. So uh, it, it, when he, he doesn't have pressure in his face, he's able to make these accurate throws, and he's really getting more and more people involved in the offense, and that's really kind of uh, uplifted the confidence of the players around him. And, you know, early in the season, drops were a problem. All of a sudden, these guys aren't dropping passes because they know uh, that Baker Mayfield's looking for them down the field and, and isn't losing confidence in them. Broncos head coach uh, Vance Joseph was talking today about how surprised he was at how Baker's been able to freelance this season so successfully. We saw that uh, this weekend on the long pass to Jarvis Landry. How do you think he'll be able to do that when he has to deal with the threat of Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller coming off the edge? Yeah, you know, that's interesting because he a couple weeks ago against the Texans, he faced kind of a similar duo of defensive ends with J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, and their strategy was to drop eight. I mean, they only rushed three guys almost the entire game, and it gave Baker Mayfield some problems in the first half, but then he had the big second half where he turned it around. You know, if the Browns have a weakness on the offensive line, it is the tackle position. Greg Robinson has filled in nicely at left tackle. Chris Hubbard has done a, a solid job at right tackle, but uh, it's an area where they can they can give up some, some pressures and, and things like that. You know, I, I think Baker Mayfield – is very good within a system and he's very good outside of it, but it's always a good mix of both. If he's doing too much of it outside of the system, you're going to run into some problems. So for him, it's going to be taking what he can get, taking the checkdowns uh, when they're there. But I do think the Browns are, are okay to live with him freelancing that way because even if he's giving up some scrambles that are there for him to take some five, six yards down the field, they like that he's able to push the ball down the field 25, 30 yards. So I, I think for him, he's going to keep doing what he does. It's just going to be against a much better defense than some of the ones he's faced in recent weeks. Uh, Andrew, how has the emergence of Nick Chubb helped him uh, become more confident? I mean, it seems to me, and Vance Joseph was echoing this today, that right now Nick Chubb's one of the best backs in the league at any uh, experience level, rookie or not. Yeah, you know, I think what Chubb does is he's just got a good mix of everything, and he, he's a good between-the-tackles guy, uh, but he also brings the home run threat that, that really wasn't there before with Carlos Hyde as the lead back, and uh, it's a good mix of, of speed and power that he has, and it's why the Browns were so attracted to him with that 35th pick uh, in the second round. And the thing that the Browns have tapped into with Chubb that was maybe a knock on him in the pre-draft process was his ability to catch the ball. You know, Georgia really didn't ask him to do it all that much. And I think it was understandable. They had Sony Michelle. They had a lot of wide receivers and tight ends they could get the ball to. Uh, but the Browns are, are getting him the ball in space. And I think with him in the backfield, you know that he's a threat to catch the ball as well. And I, I think the Browns have a good mix of running backs with him and Duke Johnson. Uh, and, and really what, what makes him really good is he's a really smart runner uh, near the goal line as well. He's got touchdowns in five straight games. The Browns are 14 of 14 for 14 touchdowns in their last 14 red zone trips. Uh, so once they get inside the 20, he's become an even more valuable back. And I think the, the time he spent on the sidelines for the first few weeks of the season was really valuable, got him motivated, and, and got him to learn the NFL game uh, a lot more so he was ready for the opportunity. You talk about there a running back who catches some passes. You guys also have a wide receiver who, who runs quite a bit in Jarvis Landry. But as a receiver, if he's in the slot, what sort of uh, kind of matchup problem does he pose, especially for maybe a team like the Broncos that's been playing a safety down at nickel corner over the last couple of weeks without Chris Harris Jr.? Yeah, yeah it all depends on, on the game plan because Jarvis Landry has had some really good weeks, and then he's had some weeks where he's not used as much in the offense, and, and that's sometimes a good thing because I think the Browns early in the season were really force-feeding the ball to Jarvis just because there weren't a ton of other options emerging in the passing game. Uh, but he is someone who has an ability to get open in short in short uh, amounts of space, and his hands are just so good. Once you get it in his area, he's going to catch it. I think he's been a reliable weapon uh, for Baker Mayfield, especially these last two weeks. He's had two really good games back-to-back. Uh, -back. But, you know, the Browns' offense is clicking at its best when, when Baker's getting the ball to eight or nine different guys in the passing game. That means getting it to a bunch of different running backs, a bunch of different tight ends, and then getting his other wide receivers involved. You know, Antonio Callaway 
uh, a rookie has had his ups and downs and is, can really be a good deep threat. And Brashad Perriman has been a great comeback story uh, for this offense as well. You know, he had a rough start of his career with the Ravens. You know, a lot of people wrote him off as a, a draft bust, but, you know, he's come to Cleveland and has caught everything thrown his way, including a 66-yard pass to open last week's game uh, against the Panthers. When he's able to take the top off of the defense, that really opens up stuff underneath for Jarvis, who uh, really is kind of the consummate professional is willing to do anything uh, he can to help his team win. And as he did last week, it was through the passing game and it was in the running game uh, where he took a couple jet sweeps, uh, one in for a touchdown and another one out there for 51 yards. A little bit from Andrew Gribble there of ClevelandBrowns.com about Baker Mayfield and what's been going right for the Browns offense. We'll talk with him a little bit more about Miles Garrett, the defense, what to expect. But first, Phil, uh, time to play another game. Yeah, we have uh, another caller on the line. Uh, who's joining the neutral zone now? Mary Beth Skirjanik in Sterling, Colorado. And uh, I assume that you're a big Broncos fan, Mary Beth? Uh, born and bred. Okay, well, that's good because we're going to play a game called Who Said It? That's where I read you a quote, and then uh, you tell me who said th- who said it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we'll get started here with the very first one. This is Vance Joseph, but who is he talking about? Quote, the bottom line is we've got three weeks to play. He's got to make more plays, and sometimes that's taking chances that allows you to make more plays. They're going to be turnovers, so he can't worry about that. You can't play this game perfect. Case Keenum. Yeah, that's Vance Joseph. Uh, you know, challenging Case Keenum to maybe take some more shots down the field. He hasn't thrown in an interception in a long time. He was, uh, you know, noted to say that he thought that Case was playing some of his best football right now. But sometimes when the Broncos' offense isn't going quite like it was in the in the first half against the 49ers, wants him to take some chances down the field. What do you think Absolutely. about that, Mary Beth? You think he's got to take some chances? We have nothing to lose. All right, well, speaking of chances, let's get to our second quote here. Quote, I'm a gambling man, and, I bro- and I'm broke today. I'm broke today. I put the team in a horrible situation, very undisciplined and guessing around, but in the end, it ended up hurting us, and that's on me. Go with um, ah, just just let me think, let me think. Do you want a hint? Ah, defense. It is defense. Yeah, this guy against the Forty Nine ers took a couple of chances, and uh, it ended up hurting the Broncos. Um, that's a guy with the glasses, like tripping, doesn't it? <laughs> I think I think you're on. I think you're on to something. Vaughn. So, yes, it would be Vaughn Miller. Yes, Vaughn Miller. Uh, he jumped off sides three times against the 49ers. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. So uh, it hurt the Broncos uh, just a little bit there. So, uh, hey, Vaughn Miller doesn't need to be guessing. He's all pro, right? Oh, you know, you pay the man the money for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And he got a sack in the game. It's the longest uh, sack streak of his career, eight consecutive games. So he has been playing pretty well. Not bad. Not bad. All right. Well, uh, you got your two for two. Let's see if you can make it three out of three. Okay. Okay. This quote is about the very last play the Broncos had in in the game against the 49ers. I'm not sure if you remember, but 49ers took three knees at the end there, four knees actually at the end of the game, and it turned out the Broncos had one last chance. Uh, So here's the quote about that. Quote, I've been in those situations before where you're kind of counted out. You try a different play, and obviously your chances are very small, but you try to run around a little bit and see what happens. And the key in this quote is this person has been in that situation before. Oh. You know, would I say possibly John Elway? No, that that one's a Case Keenum talking about. That is Keenum. Uh, of course, you, you remember the miracle. You already gave me a Case Keenum question. Well, I Case Keenum twice. That I gotta make it hard for you, Mary Beth. Well, come on, I'm a teacher. <laughs> I would never do that to my students. You don't beat two times in a row. Well, see, the first one was technically Vance Joseph, but uh, 
This one well, was Case okay. Keenum. So but the answer was Case Keenum. Well, that's a technicality. A technicality. That is correct. <laughs> you are You're still a winner here on the neutral zone, so Woo-hoo! you obviously uh, know your Broncos stuff. Yeah, and for not being able to watch the game and only listen to it while I have my 82-year-old mom out shopping, that's not too bad. Oh, priorities, uh, priorities. Priority. Yeah, life's all about decisions. That is true. <laughs> and uh, I hear that you uh, like to listen to a different podcast. Obviously, you listen to the Neutral Zone, but you have one other podcast that you said you like to listen to. Obviously, and that would be the Sports Podcast Podcast. Excellent. And th- you know somebody who does that? I do. I have um, my 20, soon to be 21-year-old son and my 23-year-old son, and they do this uh, remotely in different college settings, and they talk just about everything. They do uh, five words about the NFL for every single game and every single team, and then they do a lot of NBA, and they'll throw oh. a couple other sporting events in there as well. They're a, they're a hoot to listen to. So you listen to that one and then also the neutral zone, right? Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. All right, Mary Beth. Thank you so much for All joining right. us, and uh, we'll be sure to get you a Broncos prize pack. Woohoo! Thanks, Phil. Phil, we might have to steal that uh, that five word game there. Uh, we'll come back to that in a, maybe next week. But right now, it's time to go back to my conversation with Andrew Gribble of ClevelandBrowns.com. Hear a little bit about what he expects from this Saturday night matchup. For the Browns' defense, uh, Denzel Ward is always probably going to be a guy that's linked to Bradley Chubb because of where they were selected. I know uh, Greg Williams talked a little bit about that today. Denzel dealing with in the concussion protocol um, when the teams released their injury reports today. But when healthy, what have you seen from him? Um, it seems like from Denver, he's lived up to that fourth overall pick billing uh, in every way. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think either teams went wrong with the guys they got. And I think the, the thing with Denzel Ward is they did so much homework on him in the draft process. And really, the, the way Greg Williams wants to play defense with his corners, uh, playing kind of that press man coverage, Denzel Ward was seen as kind of the perfect fit. Uh, and really, he's lived up and probably surpassed all the expectations that they had for him. I think early in the season, he was getting a, a bunch of interceptions, causing a bunch of forced fumbles things like that. Those numbers have dropped off in recent weeks, but it's not because of his lack of ability. It's because he's simply not getting thrown at very much. And I think some of that has to do with the Browns up until last week, being without Terrence Mitchell, uh, their other starting cornerback who broke his wrist week four, and maybe having some vulnerabilities on the other side of the field. But at the same time, Denzel's been a guy that they can just put on a receiver and and not have to worry about him uh, much for the rest of the game. And I think that's exactly what you want. Uh, out of the number one corner. You know, one of the most impressive efforts I saw from him all season was when they basically stuck him on Deshaun Jackson in Tampa, and Deshaun didn't catch a pass until overtime. I mean, it was one of the uh, a tough, tricky, speedy wide receiver, and that's where Denzel uh, really thrives. The only receiver that I saw that gave him a hard time this year uh, was Michael Thomas uh, from the Saints week two. One of a, maybe a bigger, more physical wide receiver that can give Ward more problems because he's a little bit of a slighter stature, but really uh, has lived up to, to all that the Browns could hope for. And, you know, they're hoping he can be back this week because they missed him last week, certainly against the Bears. Yeah, we'll see uh, Cortland Sutton dealing with a quadricep injury. We'll see if he's able to go and if he's matched up against Denzel Ward. Should be a good battle to watch now that Emmanuel Sanders uh, is out for the season with an Achilles tear. Uh, Andrew, one more question about a specific player. There's there's so much talk about Baker, the first overall pick from the 2018 draft, that I think maybe nationally the 2017 first overall pick, Miles Garrett, sometimes gets overshadowed. How dangerous is he for an offensive line uh, that's trying to protect their quarterback? Yeah, I mean, he's just been really, really good. And I think that's the that's the basic scouting assessment of him. It started in training camp this year, which was really – it's been the first time he was healthy in his entire time with the Browns because he was dealing with a high ankle sprain all throughout last season. And even though he was able to get some sacks, you could tell he wasn't really at 100%. Uh, he's been that way this year. And, and the key thing for him in recent weeks is at the start of the season, he had this goal that he wanted to play every single snap, wanted to be out there for every important play. 
and it, with the way some of these Browns games were going, you guys all saw all these overtime games the Browns were playing. They were playing some 90-play games on defense. It started to wear on him, and I think what the Browns decided was we got to get some guys behind him some more snaps so he's out at 100% really out there at full strength when the game is on the line in the third and fourth quarter. And I think that has shown itself these last few weeks during this kind of nice stretch for the Browns. He's resting about 15 plays a game, uh, and that has really helped. He's basically good for at least a sack uh, a game, and, and that doesn't account for all the other pressures and hits that he's bringing. And I think the defense has to shift a lot of attention his way as well. Uh, the guy next to him as well, Larry Ogunjobi, the defensive tackle, has really helped things as well and, and maybe taken some of that pressure off him. But, you know, at 12 and a half sacks, uh, he's one and a half away from setting the team record, which is, you know, that's really what you drafted this guy for. Uh, and, and really this second season, I almost treat it as his real rookie season. Uh, he's been emerged as, as probably one of the better pass rushers in the entire league. And uh, the Broncos certainly know, having Von Miller, that it's not always just about the sack total. Sometimes it's about those those QB pressures or making the quarterback throw the ball away. You get an intentional grounding or an incomplete pass. Those are sometimes just as important. Andrew, as we turn towards Saturday night, a primetime game, uh, only time, only game on in that window. It's a game that's really important for both teams. Uh, Browns and Broncos both have slim playoff hopes that are still alive. What do you think this game is going to come down to as uh, both teams try to get a win that they uh, they really need? Yeah, you know, for the Browns, it's going to come down with just playing as well as they have at home on the road. I mean, this is this is up until the Cincinnati game a couple weeks ago where the Browns played really well on the road for their first road win of the year. They've been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team home and away. You know, they're 4-2-1 and one at First Energy Stadium. It played really well. It's about taking it onto the road into a hostile atmosphere. And I think that for, for Baker Mayfield in the offense, they proved in the second half against the Texans that they can play against a really good defense. It was just a matter of starting off fast uh, and not turning the ball over. I think for the Browns, both sides of the ball, this is going to come down to turnovers. You know, Up until the last couple of weeks, the Browns have been the best uh, defense in the league when it came to takeaways. They're, they're one of the worst when it comes to giving up yards, both through the passing and rushing game, but the takeaways have really been the great equalizer. And the Browns' offense, on the, on the other hand, have been really good at taking care of the ball up until the last couple of weeks where Baker Mayfield had some interceptions against the Texans. And then last week against the Panthers, the, the offense had a couple fumbles. Uh, they're real, really costly in that game. So if the Browns get on the right side of the turnover margin, they're in a good spot to, to win this game because they're, they're entering with a lot of confidence and they're entering uh, openly talking about the playoffs even though there are very slim chances to get in. So it, 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 the Broncos are getting a Browns team that really is kind of hitting its stride. Unfortunately for the Browns, it's maybe doing it a little bit too late in the season uh, to have some really realistic playoff hopes, but they're playing with the mindset that they not only have to win this game, but they want to win out uh, to finish the season. Broncos uh, have the same mindset there, two, two teams that really can't afford to lose again if they want to keep those slim playoff hopes. You mentioned turnovers. The Broncos have been plus nine uh, here over the last three weeks. Last week, though, that didn't, didn't matter much as they lost to San Francisco. Vance Joseph challenged Case Keenum to be a little more aggressive. We'll see if that happens. Uh, Andrew Gribble, ClevelandBrowns.com, a senior writer. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Phil, Andrew talking there about how turnovers really might decide this game. I'm not sure if I quite agree because we've seen the last few weeks the Broncos have won the turnover battle. They won it in San Francisco and they lost the game. I think it's going to be determined by can you make big plays on offense, whether that's Phillip Lindsay, Case Keenum throwing to Sutton, Hamilton, whoever, and can you stop Baker Mayfield from making big plays? I'm not necessarily sure that it's going to be the turnovers because we've seen we've seen that. You can be cautious and still lose games we got to go make some plays. Yeah, and I think that the NFL is a copycat league, right? So I'm sure the Browns saw the 49ers game plan and was like, and they can try to mimic something like this. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield has a lot of weapons, Jarvis Landry, as we mentioned, but also a guy like David Njoku is a, is a weapon, and uh, they're going to have to figure out some of their communication issues and get that corrected this week. And on the opposite side of the ball, they're going to have to figure out how to make some plays down the field. Otherwise, they're just going to smother a guy like Philip Lindsay, and it's going to be a little bit of a deja vu. 
yeah, it can't happen. I think it'll also be interesting to watch some injuries this week, see what develops. Right now you've got Derek Wolf in concussion protocol for the Broncos. Denzel Ward, the really talented rookie, is in concussion protocol for the Browns. He missed last week. Um, you've also got Isaac Yadam, who might not play. Tremaine Brock, Vance said, hey, we need him to play if Isaac can't. Um, but the biggest one might, might be Cortland Sutton dealing with a quad injury. Can he be explosive? Because the Broncos really need him to be. Yeah, and I think you saw it. Uh, they on the one of the first plays of the game, the Broncos took a shot down the field of Cortland Sutton. Then they never really went back to that, and uh, that's definitely an element of the Broncos' passing game that needs to be there. The those fifty-fifty balls, those type of plays. You know, if if he can come down with two or three of those in a game, that changes how this offense is playing. And just being able to sustain some drives, you if you can get a few over the top, then that's going to open up things underneath and. Uh, you go from there right and I wonder if he just with the injury he just didn't have the explosiveness he made needed maybe a week gives that back but yeah he just had two catches for 14 yards uh, in that game you need more from Corlin Sutton good games though from Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton yeah hopefully uh Tim Patrick seven catches 85 yards Deshaun Hamilton seven for 47 and a touchdown hopefully they keep it going uh this Browns defense though it's much more talented than the 49ers Miles defense Garrett. you just saw yeah Miles Garrett Denzel Ward um Ogunjobi uh, there on the defensive line they're impressive it's and then with Greg Williams it's not going to be easy schematic wise to beat them who who would have thought that at this point we'd be talking about how how many weapons the Browns have I did you did this was one of the games you that watched I think, that hard knocks and yeah yours there's always that hard knocks boost that you get in the fa- past few years it hasn't worked because the Bucks were not good after so hard you, knocks I guess you don't always get that hard knocks boost then right you they did this time no i'm saying i'm saying as a viewer you get the oh, hard knocks yeah, oh, boost. oh i got it you Not watch hard knocks and then you think got dang it. this team is going to be good and you know i you watch the browns that's that's what you thought they've got they've got something like 12 first round picks on their team or something like that no kajuice though <laughs> that was my guy no, gosh that would be your guy. hard knocks that would be your guy. yeah kajuice. david and joku is a yeah he's, he's the real he's deal. good yeah. he is good his muscles are like bigger than than I am. Yeah. yeah, just his biceps. Yeah, scary dude. Yeah, he's a scary so. dude. Baker Mayfield's not on the injury report, right? <laughs> no. So that's he's not. That's where it's stuck. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the that's the important uh, thing there. Baker, gosh, I remember when we were at the Senior Bowl, he was just really impressive in the way he carried himself, the way he played. He left at halftime on a helicopter or something like yeah. absolutely crazy. He, just I just really remember just around him, even at the combine being there. You know, there was interest. Maybe the Broncos were going to be in a position where they'd be able to take him at five. Of course, he shot up to be the first overall pick. But there was a time, especially when we were at the senior ball, we were like, is this guy a first round pick? Or like, what do you think? Some height concerns. I was all over that. Yeah. Back in January, I was like, Baker's going to be a top 10 pick. And everyone was like, what are you talking about? He has a star factor. And he just got a confidence about him. He convinces you and he convinced people that he was good enough and he's shown it so far. Yeah, it's weird because he was in this building, yeah, talking with you know John Elway and the Broncos decision makers and yeah, and if if he was still there at five, I think they would have considered it. For even sure. ma- even maybe if they were there at four, still a trade up or something. But he it wasn't even close. He wasn't going to get by the Browns. He wasn't going to get by the Jets. Even the Giants might have considered him. So it's a f- moot point. NFL is so strange. It's like you think that Baker Mayfield's so good at this point, but like a few months ago, like coming out of Brown's camp, they were like, no, he, he's not going to be our starter. Like, co- how is that possible? That coach isn't there anymore. So that's maybe true. a flawed evaluation of some sort. But that happens all around the yeah, league. Sure. Well. Oh, this guy, he's not ready. We're going to let him ease into it. But Well, I think I think you hope you, you can do that. You know, I yeah. mean, we saw what happened with Mahomes where he got that whole year and that's worked out really well. But sometimes a guy's too good or Baker went in there because Tyrod Taylor got hurt. Tyrod? No, I think it went back Tyrod. to Tyrod. Yeah. Tyrod. They didn't go back to Tyrod. He got yeah. hurt. No, no, no. I'm saying it was oh, Tyrod. Oh, then he said, no, it's Tyrod. And yeah, then no, he's like, no, exactly. no, just call me Tyrod. Yeah. Is he still? Yeah. He's, he's their still backup still, yeah, right? Backup, yeah, okay. Yeah. But he got hurt in that Jets game. Yeah. Baker came in and whoop. Wally Pipped. Done. Exactly. Yeah. We need a, maybe it's going to be Tyrodded. You could uh, get Tyrod. Wally Pipped is kind of dated. Yeah. yeah. The youngsters don't know the yeah. Wally Zach, Zach wasn't even Peerless born when. Intern. Shout out. When Wally Pipped had kids exactly he wasn't even born exactly he wasn't so, born. yeah no i don't think i was born <laughs> no. probably not yeah yeah so um but yeah that's that's kind of what i uh i think for this weekend 
obviously a pivotally important game. We talked about you really just you can't lose this one if you have any hope. If you do win this, then maybe you're back in the, hey, we've got hope again. But after a, a game like Sunday, it's well, nice to get back to it and just get the taste out of your mouth of a loss like that. Exactly. Saturday night, it's a, sort of an interesting deal playing on Saturday night. I think NFL it's Network, like, right? Yep. We got Mike Tirico on the call, which Ooh. is cool. Kurt Warner. Uh, so I once poured big, water on Kurt Warner's face. Uh, to, like, re- cool him down? Mm. Uh, a make-a-wish thing back in the day. Kurt Warner. Uh, ice bucket challenge. This was well before. They hadn't even invented ice. But yeah, Kurt Warner uh, did a lot of stuff at this place called Give Kids a World, which is uh, help sick kids, gives them a place to stay at Disney World. And he was doing this thing where he was laying on the ground and you were doing like a relay race where you poured water on people's faces. In my, uh, my line, you would run up and pour water on Kurt Warner's face. He had a bucket on his head that you were trying to fill up. Wow. That's a great story. Yeah. I, ta- I told him about it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He was. I think he was in Denver last year for something and... Went up to him and said, "Poured water on your face." And then, and then he was like, uh, "Security." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> no, good guy, good guy, Kurt. Well, I do think the Broncos have shown a tendency to play up to their competition. So if you know this would be considered a big game, it's prime time. You know, a lot of uh, storylines coming into this one. Broncos Browns, that old school feel to it. Uh, it was funny talking to John Elway this week. He said uh, some Browns fans still come up to him and say. You ruined my childhood. Do you believe that? Yeah, well, he made your childhood. Exactly, so exactly. Yeah. But it's just funny to think that. Yeah, like, well, you're upset about college kids changing colleges, or high school the, kids changing colleges. So I was upset. You can understand how John Elway could ruin some people's childhoods. Uh, obviously, the early commitment period coming up here. and uh, Yeah, I don't think we can say names, probably. Yeah, probably don't want to say names. But, but the CU lost out on some uh, Yeah. But hey, guess what? You're bigger than, uh, no one's bigger than the program. That's true. And Baker Mayfield was a walk-on, so maybe the tradition you... of the Colorado Buffaloes will not be entrusted to the timid or weak. Oh my gosh, this is just so. devolved into recruiting <laughs> propaganda. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, go to I the do Cats. Think the Broncos can uh, play up to. I don't want to say that they got to play up to the Browns, but I think that they can get up for this big game. Yeah, and I. It's interesting, just kind of as we wind this part down, is I think the Broncos would have been better off on Sunday if they were playing a a New England or a, uh, a big-time team because I know you, you were down on the field, so you saw that they were up, they were ready, but I think there's just a different mentality when you're playing a, a really good team. There is, no doubt. No, I mean, they they said all the right things. They went through the pregame ready to go, but sometimes it just doesn't translate if it's not really inside. Yeah. So, so. Anyway, let's get to some of our shout-outs this week. What's Ben Swanson doing? Ben Swanson is out today with a sickness slash job interview. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully. <laughs> no speculation. Just, <laughs> yeah, no. just kidding. He is uh, out of the office, though, today. Yeah. Makes you think. It, it's curious. That's yeah. what, I don't like to come out and say, oh, it's, it's like this. I just like to say, huh. No, I meant he was doing an, like, like an huh. interview with like for the Broncos job. Like oh, got it. Got an it. interview for an article. Got it. Got with it. With the Broncos. You know That's what I'm saying? I wouldn't call that a job interview. Oh. Huh. Could people get confused? Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, uh, sick Ben Swanson. Hopefully he'll be back. We 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 miss him. We wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah. Uh, It's that time of year. Everybody's a little sick. That's true. Some of us just power through. Exactly. Not everybody uh, is. Yeah. Caroline Disley calling Liz Manis on the phone. Liz Danis. Liz Manis. uh, Shout out to the community. Yeah, Liz Manis. We're actually recording this week in her office. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the community uh, during the holidays right now. Yeah, what do we, we have a Boys and Girls Club community uh, community party coming up. Coming up. We've got a uh, uh, holiday with the Harrises was uh, Monday last, night. Last, and yeah, then Monday. shop with a jock Tuesday night. Yeah, so, and then uh, uh, got a bike build coming up too. That's Bike build? That's, that's one of my favorite community Good events. for the kids. Yeah. Cool that uh, head coach Vance Joseph kind of takes that on and made it his own thing, did it last year. I don't want to give any spoilers, but this Boys and Girls Club, we've – been told who's going to play Santa Claus. Oh, we have don't, been. Told don't really that. want to give that away. Yeah, but it's he's big he's guy. six foot four and he works in the and digital media office. Not me. And <laughs> nobody gets excited. He wears about glasses. That. Uh, glasses. That's interesting. Well, I'm not going to give it away. No, you I'm wear you wear glasses. I wear glasses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not yeah. going to give anything. Away. No. So I'm not going to give anything away. So all right, I think we got through all our shout outs. Yeah. Uh, oh. Podcast supervisor. Podcast supervisor. I uh, made a trip to the office today. We uh, didn't have time to meet about the podcast, but 
uh, I think the numbers are they're trending up. Yeah. Where so. can people find the podcast? Um, you can go to TuneIn. You can go to iTunes. Tunes. Do you think when they made TuneIn, they were just like, let's just flip it around. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if anybody knows this. I don't know because some copy copyright infringement there. Mm. TuneIn, really suspicious. Yeah. Interesting. Kind of like Ben Swanson's sickness. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> and then uh, maybe Swanson's at the doctor is getting some yeah. stitchers uh, because stitchers, that's one other place stitch, you can listen. Stitcher. Stitcher. Yeah. yeah. One other place you can listen. Uh, great audio quality. I've listened to at least one podcast there. So That's great. Well, uh, uh, make sure to subscribe. Give us a rating. Let us know what you think. And also be sure to follow us on Twitter at Eric Delala. That's with an A. A-R-I-C. A-R-I-C. Delala. A-R-I-C. Almost, but it's pronounced Eric. I gotta talk to Gail about that. Yeah, I don't understand. Too many bevies after after <laughs> I was born. Yeah, or? exactly. Yeah, or, exactly. Uh. <laughs> uh, and then also at Phil Milani. That one's easier. Common spelling. Yeah. No, no Fs or no F. Like that. Yeah, just the one P. One P. So and in Phil, one L, but in my full name, Philip, two L's, which is how you're supposed to spell it. As Philip Lindsay, two L's. That's oh, I see. Philip. I thought you were saying in Milani there's two L's. And no, I was no, no, confused no, no. how Philip. that worked. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see so. if we get any follows. I've I tend to get sixteen to thirty five after each hundred. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You don't talk about a car yeah, and you're like, this is sixteen dollars. <laughs> exactly. Like, this sixteen hundred. Well, I want to thank our guests for coming on the show this week, Bradley Roby. Great conversation there about his mindset down the stretch here. The Broncos obviously hoping to win out and uh, squeeze into the playoffs. So my thanks to Bradley Roby. Also to Andrew Gribble. Almost sounds like Andrew, like you've got to gribble. Otherwise, it's traveling in basketball. Oh, it was. We only had a single. I guess we had two segments, so it's a, a double gribble. Double gribble. Yeah. No penalty today. If he listens, he's never going to come on our podcast well, again. We appreciate it. Yeah, Andrew thank Gribble you, Andrew. Appreciate on, it. Senior writer for ClevelandBrowns.com. Also, thank you to our guests who played uh, our games today. That's Cam and Mary Beth, both winners on the neutral zone here today. So uh, that's going to do it for us this week. I'm Phil Milani for Eric Dalala. You've been listening to The Neutral, neutral Zone. zone.